Welcome to Current Affairs Taiwan. Mike, what have you got up in the show today? Well, the World Health Organization actually said something nice about Taiwan. And we've got China trying to reach into the Taiwan uh, politics and local networks via the census in China. And we've got sand dredgers from China dredging for sand in the Penghu. And we've got Han Goyer, whose recall has, is coinciding with his appointment to a high-ranking position within the KMT. And finally, we have Donovan and Mike searching for their beers. Stay tuned for all this and more. Okay, welcome back to Current Affairs Taiwan. I'm Michael Turton, and with me is Donovan Smith. Donovan, what all right, great to be here. What have we got on uh, tap for tonight? Something about the WHO? Did it actually say something nice about the renegade province? <laughs> and you're the one who knows the history of the whole renegade province thing. <laughs> That's right. It, it actually didn't begin. It wasn't a thing that was said about Taiwan. The renegade province, yeah. especially in South China, refers to the mm-hmm. northern part of Vietnam. Yeah, I know. It was only, it, <laughs> and I learned that from you. <laughs> <laughs> it was only later that it became applied to Taiwan. And I think Lee Dung Hui was actually the one who, uh, it was used in the 80s, but then Lee Dung Hui kind of gave it new life in the 90s, as I recall. Hmm. I don't recall that China ever used that no, for, for Taiwan. I don't think they've ever referred to that that way either. Yeah. But we'll get more on how Taiwan is a province of China, according to Beijing, later on the show. But let's right now talk about the World Health Organization, which actually said we are doing a pretty good job here. Yeah, they did. And then what? Did they say we could join? Nope. <laughs> Come on, we'll be good. <laughs> 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 I mean, they did give pretty good praise, but then it was like, you know, but nothing's going to change. So. Nothing's going to change because we're yeah. a subsidiary of the CCP. But the irony is that right out, like right about the same time as the World Health Organization came out and actually issued a statement saying that Taiwan was doing really well with the coronavirus, the World Medical Association slammed the, the World Health Organization for not letting in Taiwan and for politicizing. Oh, fantastic. Uh, the Taiwan situation. That's really fantastic. Yeah. So that's, uh, uh anyway, I, that, that was nice to see that they came out and, and, uh, supported Taiwan and depoliticizing the WHO. Yeah. But I don't think we're going to get out of that problem. What mm. a shame. So, and then China was trying to stick its finger into Taiwan's domestic politics this week. Mm-hmm. One of the local lawmakers reported that, Chinese spouses of Taiwanese, uh, Chinese spouses of Taiwanese people who live in Taiwan have to report all the personal data of their families. This mm-hmm. is that was from Bowie of yeah. the State Building Party. Yeah, mm-hmm. he won't and in Taichung. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> getting Taichung on the map, that's the important thing about this piece of news, okay? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Taichung number one. <laughs> Take that, Jenna. <laughs> Take that, Taipei. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, he was saying that the Chinese police had visited the parents of these spouses, which means there's a whole system for tracking these spouses. And you know, for for years, I've been warning about this and so many other people that these people represent leverage and Chinese mm-hmm. influence in Taiwan. And I think, oh, on the blog, maybe a decade ago, uh, someone took me to task for being a racist for saying that they were going to, for predicting they would form an anti-Taiwan party, a pro-China party, and which they did. 
you mm-hmm. know, a couple hundred thousand of them, I guess. So there really has to be, I feel like this is something that has to be, uh, what's the word I want? I don't want to say forbidden. Resisted? Resisted, yes. That it mm-hmm. should be discouraged, marrying Chinese spouses. There should be more roadblocks. But well, yeah, I mean, the number of things that you've pr- correctly predicted on your blog is such a long <laughs> list at this point. <laughs> but it's, some of the stuff is so obvious. Mm. So the Taipei Times reported that the form asked for national identification numbers, passport mm-hmm. numbers, addresses, party affiliation, time of party membership, religion, and addresses and telephone numbers of employers. Just think about mm-hmm. how much clout these companies, the uh, the PRC could get just from knowing those few things. And also the risk it puts these people under. Imagine if you're the child, the grown child of a Chinese spouse and you join the DPP and yeah. you post, you make a few posts on Facebook about how the Chinese Communist Party sucks. Then you go back to China to visit your grandparents. And of course mm-hmm. they monitor all that. And you could, you could find yourself in the same place as Li Mingzhe, who's mm-hmm. still in prison. Old guy. Over three years now. I yeah. Yeah. So, and it's further down, uh, the Mainland Affairs no. Council, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was just, uh, go go ahead. Well, I was going to say the Mainland Affairs Council, of course, urges the Chinese spouses not to become political pawns for China, as Taipei Times said. And then the yeah. government reminded people that you can get uh, fined for providing that kind of data. Mm-hmm. So I thought uh, Lai Yijong, the Taiwan think tank, um, he I've actually met him before. Right. Um, so have I. he had some some he had a good summary, I think, of what some of the dangers are. He said the CCP could be seeking the information for a database to analyze interpersonal networks among Taiwanese, improving the success rate of controlling targets that yield high value via threatening or incentivizing approaches or both and having them work toward its political agenda. Exactly. For example, if the CCP could obtain data on the social connections of a high-ranking government official and the information showed that a friend was in frequent contact with people in China, the friend could be used as a medium to influence the official, Lai said. Right. Personal information is not just about individual privacy as it pertains to higher-level issues such as social and national security. Personal information is an asset that is valuable to a nation. Bingo. Yes. That's right. And you can just imagine how this could multiply because these, uh, once you, once you get, once you find out all this information, then you also have all of the people who are, you know, Taiwan is, Facebook penetration in Taiwan is immense. It's very high. And especially, well, the young are moving off to Instagram, but wherever they are at the moment, that's where the CCP can find not only those people who are in those, in that census data, but they can also find all of their friends. They can analyze what sort of uh, messages are useful for those social groups, right? They can contact people individually. They, it's, it's amazing how much they can find out just from simple, just from analysis, with, especially with the tools out nowadays for big data mining. It's very, mm-hmm. very scary. I saw on, uh, there was an article on, I think it was in the Taiwan News uh, that was talking about uh, Tsai Ing-wen's Twitter account as reached 1 million and but it said that something like only five point something percent of taiwanese social media users use twitter but it said something i think memory serves it was like 98 percent or something of taiwan social media users use facebook it's it's a staggering number 
and Facebook. Apparently, and I read I read elsewhere that Taiwan has the highest uh, penetration by population of any country in the world world by Facebook. Yeah, I've heard that too. Hmm. You can just see how. Uh, oh man, now I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> No, I, you can also see how this ties in with something like the Confucius Institutes. You know, it's the same kind of thing where people ask, what could these people possibly be collecting intelligence data on? And the answer is, of course, the students themselves, their political goals, their political affiliations, who they know, who they're related to, right? Who, who the, and they also tell the CCP who is approachable and who is against them, who can be bought, who can be, you know, given a honey trap and swayed, whatever. The CCP is collecting all of this information and using it over the long term. And already, even several years ago, when I first started writing on this on the blog, the CCP was refusing, at least in Europe, I haven't heard of a case in the US, but in Europe, it was refusing students' visas based on what they knew about them from the information collected by the Confucius Institutes. And this is the same, except a much bigger and broader slice of things. Yeah. I mean, and to to add to that, um, if you think about the kind of people who, when they go to university, that study Chinese seriously, yeah, um, exactly. I mean, a lot of people study it for like one semester and go, oh, "Okay, this is tough." Right. Never mind. But <laughs> the, the ones that the, the ones that tend to study it seriously are going to be people who may do business with China, right? Or they're academics, right? Or they go into foreign service, right? And so the Confucius Institute are doing what they can to mold the thinking of these people who will be interacting with China. So these people may go on to positions of power in the state department or, you know, so, you know, it's, or they may become academics themselves and then pass on the narratives that they've learned from the Confucius Institute, right, possibly right, right. unwittingly or unknowingly yep. onto their own students. Yep. Very alarming. Yep. So we had another confrontation with China this week that was that I thought was very indicative. And Focus Taiwan's report says the Penghu Coast Guard chased off 40 Chinese vessels that were chased from Taiwan's territorial waters Friday after they were found illegally dredging sea sand, the Penghu Coast Guard said. So this is like a really interesting story for three reasons, right? One, this is 40 ships. And no one gets out of bed, 40 guys don't get out of bed and say, let's all go dredge sand. Someone gave an order somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're going to go to dredge sand, you're not going to do it where there's 40 other ships doing the same thing. <laughs> I mean, that yeah. way, you're going to go someplace else so you won't get spotted. You won't attract attention because what you're doing is illegal and potentially dangerous. So obviously this was an organized thing. And so one thing it points to is, of course, the increased Chinese pressure on Taiwan, which we've seen in many different ways. And just in the recent weeks, the the flights and the, I think they had yet another set of uh, exercises in the Bashi Channel and, you know, announcements out of global time. And now this, right? So mm-hmm. this, is, this is the kind of pressure that they put on Taiwan. And this is also an example of what people call salami slicing. The Chinese tactic of just doing a little thing and then we're trying and then doing it again and going a little further and then we're trying and so on until at last they've got everything, which is what they've been doing to Japan and in the South China Sea and also in places like Bhutan in the Himal, which is a major, major flashpoint that very few people look at. But uh, it might be difficult logistically to have a war up there, but there's a lot that people want to fight over. And uh, 
The third thing it points to is this, uh, something that's unrelated, but there's a global shortage of sand for construction. Chinese demand is, is vacuuming sand up from beaches and riverbeds all over Asia. And this is one, this is one of the things that happens because of that. It, it's plausible that ships are going to go dredge, not 40, but if there were three, that would be understandable. But this points to that story. There's a global sand shortage because sand is used to make concrete and China is like piling in more concrete than everyone else in human history put together right now. Very scary. Mm-hmm. You know, we're ending every commentary with very scary. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, you know, I, I think that their plan is is that they eventually want to dredge all of Taiwan, and yeah, right. Taiwan will completely disappear, <laughs> and it will all become part of skyscrapers in uh, right. scattered across China. Yeah, <laughs> as soon as they build that uh, tunnel under under the sea to us, that's when everything mm-hmm. will go wrong. <laughs> Donovan, did you see the the temperature reached thirty six C in Kaohsiung today in April? Yeah, that's definitely Hang Guoyu's fault. Oh, uh, it's another example of his mismanagement, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so what's happening with him anyway? Uh, quite a bit, actually. Yeah. Um, they finally set the recall vote date. Uh-oh. Which is Saturday, June 6th, which, if you follow me on Facebook, you'll know is the sixth day of the sixth month on the sixth day of the week. So if you have any trouble remembering the date, just remember 666. <laughs> it's a tongue twister too. The sixth day of the sixth <laughs> month. <laughs> well, in Chinese, 666 is a perfectly, you know, yeah, standard right. sort of abbreviation for a date like that. <laughs> it's very memorable. Everyone's <laughs> going to be able to remember that one very easy. <laughs> so there was a, a court... Now, it's going to be appealed, but a, a court, I think it was the high court, dismissed a, a motion to halt the recall by Han's legal team. Yeah, you were saying last week that that was probable. Yeah, and so they, they bumped, they, so, so far it's going forward, but I mean, the, the Han team is, gonna, uh, is going to um, appeal that. So, you know, I, I suspect that it, it'll be dismissed, but it's interesting that he's continuing to try. Yeah. But I saw something else mm-hmm. that Hang Guo up to. Oh, no. How up did he get? <laughs> <laughs> Presumably Taipei. <laughs> He's, what is this? Hand to sit on KMT's decision-making body, drawing yep, criticism. Central Standing Committee. Hand Guo on the Central Standing Committee. Mm-hmm. Wait, another mainlander in his in his waning years is appointed to the central commanding central standing committee. Wow. The KMT's really changed. <laughs> well, I mean, they wanted to appeal to the youth vote. And, oh, right. right you right, know, right, they wanted right. to show how, how much, how dedicated the party is to reform, to change, sure. to really coming out with that so- strong message to win back the <laughs> youth vote, which came out overwhelmingly for Hang Yu in the presidential election. I'm sure this message is just going to resonate really well with them. <laughs> <laughs> oh my you know uh, I and mean, i'm just thinking uh, you know as we were talking about before the show ho yo e of course who's the current kmd mayor of new taipei city and who is taiwanese must be looking at this going what they mm-hmm. could have appointed him yep 
It would have been a much. Well, no, he turned it down. He turned it down. Well, what I'm saying is, they should have made it impossible for him to turn it down. <laughs> He's it's well. Yeah, go ahead. I have I have, I have some theories on this. Mm-hmm. Um, so him and Lu Xiaoyan both turned it down, and Lu Xiaoyan being the Taipei of uh, the Taichung mayor, right? A mainland. Both of them said, uh, yeah, and um, they they both said they wanted to concentrate on the coronavirus. Uh, crisis right now, yeah, which is the responsible thing to do, right? And it's the responsible thing to say, yes. And what I find, my theory about Hoyoi is, you'll notice that he's been keeping a distance, especially from Han Guoyu, right? But to a certain degree, the central, the the, the central organization of the party. And I, like I follow him on Instagram and I watch all the news about him, both, you know, in the local news and the English language news. And he is almost militantly focused on just doing his job as new Taipei mayor. That's quite interesting because he's well, then he's demonstrating that he's ready for higher office in a very real way. Mm hmm. Um. And that he would, you know, and that he might deserve it. In other words, he's been basically doing everything he can to show competence. And from everything I've read, he is, he's a, he's a competent, effective local leader. Yep. And so right now I, he's the most popular person in the KMT. Yep. He's got nothing recent on his record that could be staining. Nope. He's, he's, he did everything he could until basically his arm was twisted to keep away from Han Guoyu. Right. He's bucked the party's central standing committee and the party's orders over things like holding a flag raising ceremony on double 10 day. Right. Although he did post up some things on Instagram, you know, ROC is awesome, you know, but he, you know, so he's been keeping a pretty big distance between him, between himself and the, the, the party, which I find very curious now, he doesn't post up anything which suggests that he's anything other than an ROC nationalist, but, you know, he occasionally comes out with his pro-ROC stuff. But right. So I, he comes across as KMT in that sense, but he seems to be keeping a very interesting distance from the party and especially Han Guoyu, and I find that very, very curious. He, that's the thing he would have to do if he were seriously running for president. But at the same time, he would he would have to cultivate party insiders if he were seriously running for president as the KMT candidate. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't and, make... Go ahead. No, yeah. And I think that's why in the very end of the presidential campaign, he finally showed up for a couple of campaign rallies. Oh, right, right. To keep the hand supporters on board if he needs them in the future. Yeah. Let's not forget, New Taipei City is the nation's biggest city right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot of satisfied people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, and of course, Taipei is right next door. So a lot of people in Taipei City are going to be reasonably well aware of what's going on in New Taipei. Yep. And of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, well, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm be very interested to see what happens in the next uh, round of local elections, what he, what he does. What I really want to see is what happens in two things. One is the next, the K, uh, in May next year, the next KMT party chair, if he jumps in on that or not, that yeah. race. 
I don't think by that point he can he can respectably say that he you know he was in for his job and he did it for a long enough period unlike Hangul <laughs> and that maybe you know he would have the the time to be able to do it now that he's got most of his agenda in place and all that kind of thing. Right, right. Or if he becomes a player in it essentially backing someone. And then of course is the next local elections in 2022. Yeah. That's what I want to see. What that's why I'm really curious to see what positions he takes during those elections. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So I mean, he's he's the most, by far, the most viable potential future presidential candidate for the KMT. I don't really see anyone else with the heft and popularity to be able to pull it off. Well, that and, didn't, that didn't stop them from. <laughs> you know, you can just make a list, mm-hmm. right? So (laughs) now if he were to do something dramatic, like leave the KMT, it would be a total disaster for the party. Yeah. I don't see that happening though. I don't, I, I think it's an outside possibility. Maybe after he steps down as mayor, he he seems like the kind of guy that finishes what he starts. Yeah. And that's why he became head of the national police agency and, you know, and he was courted by the DPP at, couple of decades ago as a candidate what 15 16 years ago so he'll finish this and then if i were him and i wanted a future political career i might switch parties or run as an independent because he can look at someone like fu Chi, right yeah yeah who's who was the the king of hualien what did he have to say about han this week <laughs> this is the <laughs> king said- of go ahead uh, he he said about um, Fu Quanxi, he's, and he was a big supporter of Han during the uh, during the presidential election, mm-hmm. and he was one of the biggest cheerleaders to try and get him into the race in the first place. Right, I remember that. And so he's he was originally KMT, and then kind of got booted out of the party because he kept getting arrested and thrown in jail for a variety of um, unsavory activities. But he, you know, then he gets, so he was out as the, as the County commissioner in Hualien and then it gets his wife elected. And now he beat the KMT official candidate and the DPP candidate to become a legislator from there. So he, yeah, so that's why he's got the nickname, the King of uh, Hualien. Now, there's been some moves to bring him back into the KMT to make it make their caucus a little bit stronger. Not that it would help much. Right. Uh, which have seemed seemed to have gone quiet. Uh, but he he basically is pan blue. I mean, he's going to vote with the KMT regardless. For sure. Now, but he came out and he said in, in response to a question about uh, Hang Guoyu's legal challenge to the recall is he said, Huan Dao Le. And which basically means, I guess, translated, I would use the word flabbergasted. So, you know, he he took a pretty solid smack of hand for legally challenging the recall. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's kind of uh, it's something that he has to sooner or later if hands going to get recalled. And I think this is a signal that he will be. People are thinking, hmm, this boy is toast. So why would you bring him into the central standing committee of the KMT if it's if people are starting to if important people like Fu are starting to feel mm, he's toast he shouldn't My be doing this yeah yeah I have a suspicion that that's because in the few months in the lead up to the presidential election there was a big move to get uh, Hans Army registered as KMT right, members right, right we talked about that. So, 
Yeah, we did. And so I, I suspect that, you know, something like 10, 20 percent of the voting members are hand supporters. Yeah. And they want in the KMT. Them, yep. They don't want them to go cold because hands not involved. Right. And they want them to keep paying uh, that, their dues. <laughs> yeah, they need the money. <laughs> oh, my. It's interesting yeah. that Julie Run, Eric Ju, who is the former mayor of New Taipei, also spoke out about this and the former presidential candidate who lost to uh, Tsai Ing-wen in 2016. Yeah. And also said he should be more focused on municipal administration. All these guys understand that if you do well at the local level, you will do well at the national level and the party will do better. And mm-hmm. Han just screwed the KMT. Yep. I suspect that Johnny Chang had to offer it to him because of the, the they have, uh, as part of their plan for what the Central Standing Committee is, local government heads are, are, are allotted a bunch of seats. Ah, okay. So I suspect that Johnny Chang kind of couldn't say, at least publicly, he couldn't say to Han, we don't want you here because of the makeup of the Central Standing Committee. Right. But but he might not be a local government head in, after June 6th. So what's going to happen to his Central Standing Committee seat at that point when he doesn't have a Great power question. base? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, and they'll have to they'll have to have new elections down in Kaohsiung for the mayor. So that's right. Yeah, they don't just I, I, like promote the deputy; they redo the whole I'm, thing. Yeah, I'm almost feeling sorry for Johnny Chang. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> nope, he made his bed. <laughs> now he's yeah. got a lie in it. <laughs> yeah, he's got one of the he's got in one of the most impossible jobs in yes. politics. Yes, in on this island for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, is that it for the show today? Uh, I think so. Yeah. We can, if you, if you poke around the internet, you'll soon find that Taiwan's baseball is a huge hit overseas. And you were saying what soccer wants to follow suit now. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a few stories about this apparently. Cause the, yeah. uh, the, the, the baseball league here now has an English language announcer. Right. And on the first game that they broadcast online, and I think it was via Twitter, apparently, according to news reports, they got 650,000 people tuned in to watch the game because the, around the world, they're so star- starved for sports. Right. Plus, I've been seeing a lot of news articles on Taiwan baseball and Taiwan soccer, which is pretty remarkable. That's um, amazing. Yeah, I mean, you know, Taiwan's Premier League, like, you know, I mean, at least we've heard of the baseball teams. I mean, you know, Taiwan's not a big soccer country. And even the local expat cricket league, these are these are just expats, you know, forming their own teams. There's been talk of broadcasting that in India. (laughs) Because there's no cricket in India? Right. So and I don't know if that's actually gone through. I saw a news report that they were in talks to do that. Let's get some bocce balls and form a bocce league. <laughs> <laughs> and Donovan and Mike. Oh, Mike's leaning over. He wants to he wants to hit that black ball. <laughs> yeah, Donovan's leaning over and oh, his back has gone out. <laughs> oh, that's right. Or neither of them can find their beers, which they set down in the grass. <laughs> They're hunting. They're hunting. It looks like Michael may be getting close to finding his. He's getting closer. He's getting warmer. He got it. Score. He's got his beer. (laughs) And on that happy note, I think we'll leave the show to you. Thank you very much for listening today. 
They're playing our song, so it's time to go. <laughs> Be sure to check us out on report.tw and to subscribe. This has been brought to you by the Taiwan Report. For more content like this, become our patron at report.tw. Where we tell the CCP to go pound sand. Oh, 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 oh. you want to redo that with that one? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Current Affairs Taiwan. What have we got up with? Okay. <laughs> All right, let's try this again. All right. All right.